you know, you hear it in the woods. You hear, ew, ew, ew. You're like, okay, that's a hunter. You don't think those elk that have heard that seven times before that right off the road, they're going to hear that too, you know? They're going to know. And so had, having that realism is really important. And just practicing that, I mean, as far as learning how to do it, get those fundamentals down and then just never take that mouth call out of your mouth, man. A lot of times I'm not calling, like if they're bedded, I'm not calling the whole way I walk in. I'll shut up and I'll slip in there. And sometimes that's your best call too, man. Just get be quiet, get in there. I mean, I had one time I got, I was slipping down on a bull and I stepped on a twig and he came unglued. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, uh, just trying to get in his, get in his way and get in, get in somewhere where he's not comfortable anymore. I can sound like as big a bull as I want, but it's just like, man, if I can get in there and I can be, place myself in the right situation and rip off a small bugle, like, it's like, and hit that bull will go, oh man, he's right there again. You know, they always got those bigger bulls have the satellites running all over the place. Right. And that's what they're doing, running in circles, running around, chasing them off and getting in his face and doing that. I mean, I just had the most success with that. All I'm doing is mm -hmm. just spending the whole day searching. And I think every elk hunter can understand that. I'm looking as hard as I can to get on, get on one that's ready to play the game. You know, I'll go all day. I don't generally stop for lunch unless it's super hot. We just hunt all the way through that. And the biggest key that I do that I think that a lot of people could do if they want to be successful in finding elk. Welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I'm going into my 15th year of podcasting. Can't believe it's been that long. I want to thank you all for helping me keep this fresh and staying motivated to bring you new content, etc. It hasn't been easy, but uh, it helps me fuel my own passion for hunting. Speaking of helping me keep this going, please go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags and use promo code John Stallone, all one word, to save 20%. And lastly, if you could go to Howlful Wildlife and become a member. We have partnered with Go Hunt. So now you could get your cake and eat it too. What, I, what do I mean by this? Well, you can go to Go Hunt and if you look at their insider full subscription, it's $149. And with the insider, you get the Explorer as well. So we have both packages, but Explorer is, is their mapping software and it's completely dedicated just to hunting. You know, it's got the public and private land boundaries, offline maps, 3D, point tracker, and all the Western states are included. It's a, it's a great tool. So you get that plus on, with the Insider, you get the advanced filtering and search tools, industry leading draw odds, unit profiles, and uh, easy to read state regulation overviews and species profiles and expert insights and all this exclusive content plus monthly giveaways so the go hunt insider subscription is an awesome deal right but it's 149 dollars a year and if you've been on the fence and didn't know you if you wanted to spend that 149 dollars let me tell you it's really worth it but we're going to make it even sexier for you because if you come to Howlful Wildlife's site and you go to our membership portal and purchase a Insider or a Explorer package, you not only get a free subscription to Go Hunt and get all those awesome benefits that we talked about, but you get all the benefits of becoming a Howlful Wildlife member. And that includes our discounts with our partners, 20% or more with our partners, you are automatically included in the Howl for Wildlife giveaway, monthly giveaways for gear, and 
hunt giveaways for the year. Plus, as a 501c3, your portion of your membership is tax deductible and you're helping out a great cause. Alpha Wildlife is out there advocating for the hunter and helping educate the non-hunting public so that uh, we can keep doing this for for perpetuity here and so that our kids and our grandkids can enjoy it and uh, it's a really great system and we're super thankful that uh, Go Hunt jumped on board with us and um, it's a great way to support Alpha Wildlife it's a great way to get awesome tools that you will use I use Go Hunt Insider all the time I've been a member for a very long time and it's how I get a lot of my tags by doing the research through there and now you're getting extra stuff with it so it's a great great system so go check it out become a member today and uh, let's roll into this next episode thanks hi welcome to days in the wild big game hunting podcast brought to you by phoenix shooting bags today we're going to talk elk and we have bo brooks on with us uh if you remember back a couple weeks ago we had uh casey brooks that's bo's dad and uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about some elk calling uh techniques and kind of jump into a few questions that we have here and you know maybe share a story too we'll see we'll see if we get time for it but uh how's it going man how you been i've been good i appreciate you having me on here <laughs> yeah absolutely oh and congrats congrats on the uh on the win you won the uh right you won this year the world elk calling champion right yeah yeah took a it's been a long time coming i've been working at it man it feels awesome doesn't even feel real yeah that's that's pretty impressive man you had some tough competition who'd you end up who'd you end up going up against a lot in the end um his name is toby and um let me see here i can read his last name but it was Corey and i at the Corey jacobson and i the Mm -hmm. head to head at the very end there and then I uh, actually beat him and then Toby Gangler, I believe is, uh, I can't remember his name, man. Not Toby Gangler. He's a really nice guy though. Tony Uh, Gilberston? Tony, Tony. Yeah, Tony Gilberston. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was saying, I just, uh, I just looked up all the, with the, uh, it was you, Tony, Corey, then Joe McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to know Tony. I met him. I mean, I've met him in the past just briefly, but I, I mean, we had, I got to talk to him a little bit afterwards, but still, mm-hmm. still I'm terrible with names. And I know, I know Corey that I've known Corey since I, for a long time. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, man, it was, uh, it was awesome as far as stiff competition all the way up, man. I had this year, it felt really good because, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't, I mean, everybody's so good and I don't know, I'd been I've had a lot of different opinions on how I should call the win because I've been doing it for so long. And I just so you know what guys, I'm just going to do it my way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do and not, you know, I'm not trying to per se, please a judge. I'm up there just trying to sound like elk. Right. Yep. Now that's you cool, know? man. So that's yes, cool. sir. I've always wanted to try to get on into what a comp, not, not in the professional division by any means but um yeah i was i was shy away from it i don't i i think <laughs> i think i would i would uh choke for sure if i did it 
<laughs> you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 I've done it a lot and I, I compete in every species, not just elk. And so it's like, oh, every you? time I step up there though, it's still, I mean, it still gets to me bad. Like I was, when I was calling against Corey, I was shaking. Yeah. I can so imagine. You wouldn't think, think it would be like that, but you get, you get up there in front of everybody. It just hits you like a wall. Well, cause I know like there's been times when I've been, even when I've been elk hunting and I needed to make like a, a sound or something that I wanted to for a very specific moment in time where I've choked right there. So I'm like, I can imagine if I was on stage, you know, it's a, that's where practice comes in. Muscle yeah. memory. Oh, like you God, you get up there, you've done it a thousand times. You're like, okay, yep. just, just yep. you know, there's a lot of, there's stuff I did in mine that I just. Like I thought I was going to mess up and then I just kind of went crazy on a few of the things I did. And I was like, well, hopefully they like it, you know? And it was just, I revert back to the fun stuff that I like to do. And I was like, man, it sounds like elk. Hopefully they, they get it. What I'm trying to do here. Right. You know? And so. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congrats again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hit a couple. Let's get a little rundown about you. Uh, and then we'll we'll hit these questions. Absolutely. Well, I'm from uh, Lysander, Washington. I, I'm like my dad. He uh, he raised me elk hunting and turkey hunting and waterfowl hunting, and I spent my whole life doing it. And and uh, I worked for a um, turkey decoy and duck decoy and blind and call company out here. And I actually live in Kentucky now, but I spend I go back home constantly i've been hunting on the west coast like i literally am gone half the year back home nice. so luckily i can do that and i told him if i was going to work here i'd have to have all of september off <laughs> the only way i would work <laughs> nice. and so they they very very awesome as far as that goes and so it's during september i'm uh i'm a guide and so i guide elk, i guide elk hunts all september and you know kind of we in washington in, in oregon oh, no, actually okay Yep. Yep. And I do Eastern Oregon and, um, I used to do a lot more guiding now that I got an office job, you know, I can't do it. I used you know, mostly do, uh, Leopold and, um, Faradine, you know, they come out and they hunt with us and that's kind of, I do a select few hunts now and, but I, I truly enjoy it. You know, actually this year might be the first year I'm not going to do any guiding. Hmm. I'm going to spend my whole season filming and actually, uh, I'm at a point where I can go and, go with my dad and my grandpa a little bit and it's uh gonna be an interesting september but i'm excited to just go elk hunting awesome yep well let's talk about elk communication a little bit um absolutely what do you think of the first like the four most important elk sounds a guy should master and explain them man i truly believe um as far as calling goes making sure you've got a solid cow call when I say that, you know, there's a lot of people that cow call out there and, and I call it the, the ew and the ah. Mm-hmm. Ew is, we do not like ew. It's <laughs> where you go. That's your, that's your closing your mouth and it, and you're not dropping your jaw. You're just closing your mouth and kind of making an ooh sound out of it. And a lot of people do it. And it's, if you can drop your jaw and get a, and yeah. it'll all come together, you know, and just, that's the biggest thing is learn, learn how to drop your jaw and be a, and 
that'll that'll teach you to i mean that'll that'll add more realism in your cow calling mm-hmm. um in my opinion you know you hear it in the woods you hear ew 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 you're like okay that's a hunter mm-hmm. you know you don't think those elk that have heard that seven times before that right off the road they're gonna hear that too you know they're gonna know and so had having that realism is really important and just practicing that i mean as far as learning how to do it is just get those fundamentals down and then just never take that mouth call out of your mouth, man. Do you think there's um, any specific video or, or anything that you've put out maybe that, uh, explains um, I, how I've to a, practice that a little bit? I've got a few things that live on TikTok that are really good, but honestly, man, Jay Scott and Steve Chappell both have some really good videos on cow calling mm-hmm. and the way they teach it is awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to do some elk calling videos here before too long, but man, you know, the biggest thing is just watching the fundamentals from these guys. You know what I mean? And you can find your own way to do it. I, I, Jay drops his jaw straight down. I drop my jaw and then I open the side of my cheek and I, I bounce it off that and it's, and it adds a different sound to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But just getting away from closing your lips or it's going, Ew, you know, it's huge. Right. I think yeah. I'm an, I think I'm an EO guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I haven't gone back to listen to it, but now that you're saying and it'll, it'll, um, it's just, it's just, if you listen to cow elk, man, it's, they have, they, a lot of them, they all go. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it helps you get that drop off a little bit more. So just fundamentally, it'll help you a lot. I think, I think if you can cow call, man, mm-hmm. you are, you're already a lot of the way there. Then it's being a hunter and understanding how to get, get in tight, pop the bubble, be in the right spot. You know, I, I'm, I can bugle with the best of them. I, I bugle a lot when I'm elk hunting, but I think that if I could just cow call, I still could kill a lot of the bulls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny. I, yeah. Years ago, I was, you know, because actually Steve Steve Chapel was one of the guys I kind of learned how to call yeah. from through the years, and we've been good friends for a long time. But he was just primarily a cow caller. He didn't, we never broke out the vehicle. So I, I really, I used bugles back in the day as a location. Now, in the last, you know, eight years or so, I'd say probably the bugle for me has become more of a tool than it it's, was. And, and so that's a, that's a great way to look at it though. It's a tool. Yeah. So we talk about all these different elk sounds. They're all tools and having a grab bag full of tools and tricks is very important. You're going to run into lots of situations where, you know, they're not going to want to break loose and sometimes just screaming at them will do it. But I mean, just on the very basic level, being able to cow call, you can be very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, you get into more experienced stuff, you start cow calling through your tube. I mean, that's how I, I light up more bulls than anything. Cow call through that tube and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll reach down into those holes and it's just, it works so well. And it's something different than what everybody else does. It just it gets up on the, walks up to the top of the ridge, and rips off a bugle off into it, you know? Right. Right. So. That's uh, so number one, learn your cow calls. Is there 
other than the, you know, is there different cow calls that you have like a hierarchy or another reason why I'm bringing this up and trying to get you to give me a couple different ones is that yeah. everybody, not everybody has the, the ability or the time to learn, let's say, I don't, I don't even know how many different elk sounds there are, but let's just say there's 50 elk sounds, you know, yeah. they don't have the time to master that. But they're like, yep. I might, I might be able to master three or four. I'm like, so what are the three? You know, that's kind of why I'm kind of presenting it to you that way. So as far as some of the best sounds that I've learned, man, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to have. I, I mean, you can break up. You can say that you can say there's a lot of different cow cow sounds, but like, they're still all. Those are all just different cows to me, mm-hmm. and just a mew. You know what I mean? Right. It's. Being able to do them is awesome. That's all that I'm doing there is closing my lips, opening my lips. I mean, it, that's all it is. Um, but as far as like a different cow sound that I really, truly think helps a ton is I do a prolonged one and some people would call it bugle, elk cow bugle, but it's not that long. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's, you'll hear them when they're excited, you know, some call it an estrus cry. I don't, I don't have a name for it. Honestly, I just just do it and it seems like bulls go crazy for it and so that what i'm doing there is just so you're just get just making it longer mm-hmm. and it's and and i do that through my tube too but it's it, it truly is a sound that that i i've noticed it works really well and i use it quite often in the woods and so now there's there a time that you you're like, Hey, I, I need to use this or I need to use that. Yeah. Or yeah it, when, he's, okay. when he's hung up there, like when he's hung up out there and he's running around his cows and stuff and he's fired up just screaming. Sometimes I'll, and then he, that sometimes, I mean, the whole Canyon will light up when you start doing that stuff, hmm. you know, it's just, it, all it's truly doing is adding emotion to your calling. You know what I mean? It's right. adding, 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 uh, more than just a, it's, adding some depth to it. So I, I, as far as timing on that goes, I use it. I mean, there's a, it's, 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 it's not the first thing I do, if that makes sense. Right. It's after I, after I slip in there and I get in his bubble and I just, and, and he just does it. He, he bugles back, but he's not all the way ready to go. I want to fire him up a little bit more. That's what I'll do. Cool. Um, I want to, cause you said it a couple of times now. What do you consider getting in his bubble? Like, what's that distance? So I got I get asked that a lot, and that's uh depending on the situation. You know, it could be in the timber, open country. I mean, it's I I think it's like 150 yards, 100 yards. I mean, as close as I can possibly. I like getting on the edge of his cows. Like a good example is when he's bedded. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're all bedded, and he's running around circles, or he's just right there, is getting right on the edge of them, and making him want to come run around and check us, you know? And so getting in there tight and in wide open stuff, sometimes you can't get that tight, you know? And then in, in some of that thick timber, sometimes you got to get within 40 yards. You know what I mean? Like Roosevelt's mm-hmm. you, you have to get really in there, but it's, yeah, well, it's, they can't see, they can't see them on those 20 yards. in <laughs> Some of yeah, those places, it. but yeah, it, it's exactly it. You got to make, you got to, sometimes you got to be bold when it comes to that, but that's, that's my biggest thing. I mean, I'm not, a lot of times I'm not calling, like if they're bedded, I'm not calling the whole way I walk in. Mm -hmm. I'll shut up and I'll slip in there 
And sometimes that's your best call too, man. Just get, be quiet, get in there. I mean, I had one time I got, I was slipping down on a bull and I stepped on a twig and he came unglued. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, uh, just trying to get in his, get in his way and get in, get in somewhere where he's not comfortable anymore. It's just a, it's a thing at the bar, you know, someone says, and it could be a girl, it could be a guy says, Hey, or then they're right next to you and they go, Hey, yeah, you know, you're going to turn and look at them. Right. And so, right. But no, I, I think it's super, super important, important in getting in a, getting in tight enough to him to where he's going to actually listen to you. I mean, I've had it before too, where they come across, a mile when there's a, a bull by himself, you know, mm-hmm. and all you're doing is just steering him. I'm not calling out him the whole way. He's coming, you know, he's coming. And so, uh, in that case, sit down and shut up. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so as far as uh, one other sound, if they've got cow, if there's a bunch of cows, I've had really, especially if they're moving, like you getting in front of them, I calf call at them. And it's like, let me see if I could do it. It'd be, real high pitch cap. I mean, just mm-hmm. all it is is more pressure. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of smiling when I do it, but it's, <laughs> and then you'll, the cows will usually start going. <laughs> I've right. called in a lot of bulls, just getting the cows to come in, you know, with, uh, with, when we hunt turkeys, we always say, if you can get the hens to come in, he's always going to follow. And that's the same thing with, that's the same thing with elk, man. Mm-hmm. You get them, get them, get those cows attention. They're, they're going to be on their way. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with you. You know what I found um, works really good for me. Yeah. For the for the making the calf sound, is I started using the smaller diaphragms, the really mini Absolutely. ones. Yep. Oh, they're yep. it's like night and day. Well, I mean, I've been I was using the Primos mini one for a very long time, and then yeah. Phelps came out with that mini amp. I actually think I got yeah. one right here, but let me see. I don't know if I should be calling on my podcast here. I don't want people to hear me call, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, these these are already like out of the box or just way high pitched and have that like, and if you look, I mean, if you look at them, the surface area is so much tinier than the other uh, on well, the actual we were, latex. We've been talking about that a lot. You know, we've been working on some other calls and making smaller, smaller calls. So like Phelps, the size of elk call Phelps and Rocky mountain are making is actually pretty small. Mm-hmm. It's not standard standard. Like you remember the Carlton calls and stuff like that. They yeah. were a little bigger. So people ask me, why do you have, why I have so much depth when I'm chuckling and I'm bugling and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm the only, I'm the only one up there running a full size diaphragm mm. nowadays. I don't yeah. run a, a, a small frame call. I run a, it's technically a, it's a, it's standard frame and I just get so much more out of it, you know? Right. And that's right. It, it, it's changed. That's it. Um, Which it, one are you running? I, I build them. Oh, you build so, them yourself. Okay. Got in it. In power calls. Yeah. So this, this is a great example. This is a, this is one that has a dome on it and it's a small frame. Mm-hmm. And this is what it sounds like with a with just with a wide frame yeah noticeably different yeah just got more depth yeah for sure and so yeah i think anything you could do to create the illusion 
it yes. helps. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I feel like when I'm adding more pressure, sometimes it changes the meaning of what I'm saying to get a different, even though I'm trying to get a different pitch, it yeah. almost sounds like it's a little bit too excited or too, um, too much emotion in there. Cause yep. I have to blow on it so hard. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I understand. Yeah. So no, I, cool. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about bugles. Okay. Cause that's the sexy yeah. thing, right? Um, yeah. what, you know, give me a, again, same question. What do you think are like, if I had a master two different types of bugles or three different types of bugle, what were the, what's your go-to? Like, what do you use the most I'm, and what do you find? I don't lift all okay. when I out. and I just don't, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, I mean, there's very few times, like I, I don't think I've ever been successful lip balling. I mean, maybe there's a time and a place where people really, really do well with it, but I've, I just, I'm really big on a high pitched, clean bugle. Doesn't sound too big. Mm -hmm. that, if that makes sense, you know, if, because I'm trying to, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to, trying to sound like the biggest bull in the woods. I just don't, that's just not my thing, you know, because I feel like that here it's anymore. It's such a weird spot because they turn and they turn and run a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you don't want that. And so like, doing something that gets in his face and makes him break free. I mean, without blowing it all up is important. So I can do an example. Let me see. This is a brand new call, so it might not sound that great, but. See, I Sounds love terrible. <laughs> What was that? I said it sounded terrible. I'm just joking with you. That's great. That was great. <laughs> so, so that's what I like that high pitched, high pitched bugle, man. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, you know, mm -hmm. I can I can sound like as big a bull as I want, but it's just like, man, if I can get in there and I can be place myself in the right situation and rip off a small bugle, like he's like, and hit that bull will go, oh man, he's right there again. You know, they always got those bigger bulls have the satellites running all over the place. Right. And that's what they're doing is running in circles, running around, chasing them off and getting in his face and doing that. I mean, I just had the most success with that, man. I there's there, there's sometimes I'll add a motion and like let me see, I'll do it one more time where I where I get a little aggressive and or I do that is on the end of the call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear i just ended it a little bit harder mm -hmm. and i don't think that we can truly as elk hunters i mean as people as human beings i don't think that this latex can sound like an elk when it's ending you know what i mean no. it just i've heard it and it just does not sound like that's why i always cut my bugles off with going instead of like they do you know because yeah. i just I want to be as real as I possibly can, you know, and I just don't think that they can do that. I'll, but I will end it sometimes if like, he's really mad and he's just screaming back at me and back and forth. And I'll do one really loud one because you know, when there's a difference, you can hear it when they bugle versus this. And then when they just, they kick it up a notch and they're mad, you mm -hmm. know, they hit a whole nother level. And so sometimes you stepping it up one other level can be the difference between him turning around, running in, 
and him walking away it's just like oh he's just back there mm-hmm. you know that's that's how i look at it but um practicing practicing getting your getting that it doesn't have to be that high like i did i mean it can be you know what i mean right. it doesn't have to be ear piercingly high pitch but um just having a nice high pitch bugle i think is is where it's at it sounded like a five point yeah, you know, I, I I think high pitch the one one of the main advantages of being higher pitched, especially like when you're locating them, is that yes. higher pitch sound travels way further than than it, the it lower really stuff. does. It it reaches down into those holes, man. And they may be hearing your other one, you know, your other bugle, but you know, you get a high pitch one and it sounds like it's right there. They're more likely to answer back, right? You know. Right. And my, my take on it is like, how many times have you been in the woods and you're like, all you hear is that like way, like way out in the distance. Can. That's all you can hear is just that like very top end of that thing. And you're like, wait, that was an elk, you know? Yeah, oh, very, exactly. You nailed it. Yeah. So I always kind of equated that. I know like when I'm doing location bugles, I try to be high pitched for sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, because of that, you know, trying to reach out further. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, uh, I'm huge on trying to get as loud as I can reaching down in those holes, man. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to walk all the way to the bottom unless I hear something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll still do it, but. Yep. <laughs> but, but I, I will say, um, on the topic of locating bugles, man, I'm telling you, this is something that I always preach is man, sit down for a minute. Don't just walk up there, rip one off or three off and just walk off. Like you, it looks good or you feel good about it. You think there's bulls in there and there's some rubs around, sit down for a little bit and wait and listen and listen, and listen and listen, because that's so huge. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times I've dug up bulls that I know people are just walking right past or driving right past, like at the beginning of trailheads or right off the road or whatever, you can sit down and just listen and those bulls will, if you work hard enough at it, I mean, they'll blow up eventually or, or they'll just show up. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that being a little bit patient with it, especially when you're hunting public ground, you know, um, we were on a ranch this year about it's a, it was in, and, and I didn't have permission. It was, uh, the kids we were taking the kids hunting, you know, I didn't have the permission to hunt. I just got to take the kids to go call for them. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was just an incredible ranch and it was so cool. We were out there and he, we pulled up to this Canyon. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And ripped one off. Nothing answered. I'm like, they're like, normally there's a lot of bulls here. And it was September 5th. And so I'm like, okay, especially that early season, I, I'm like, sit down, let's listen, let's, let's put some work in here. Mm-hmm. And it took me about 45 minutes. And I ended up having seven bulls ripping in that Canyon by the end. Nice. And, and, and nothing answered for the first 20 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but it just, it just took time just painting a picture. Just, I was up there cow calling and bugling and then raking and listening and listening and listening. And I finally got one to go and then they all started going. Mm-hmm. That's all and it so, takes. It's, it's all it takes. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So I get this question sent to me a lot. You know, you're hunting elk in the rut. When do you think is the best time to challenge a bull versus using cow calls? 
especially if he's already herded up or you know. so that's a that's a really good question i wish i had a very definite answer i don't I, I know there isn't really a definite answer right so the best you could do yeah. is give me a couple scenarios and yep. how you'd handle it and it just really just depends i i i, I use such a co- combination of cow calls and bugles it's usually i can gauge him on the way in on how he's answering you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so if he's answering my bugle every time i rip one off from the top then i'm like and this is, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm on the mindset right now. I'm thinking of like early September, right? That's where I'm at right now. I'm talking about like, if I can get one to answer to a bugle, he hasn't been messed with yet too hard by, by people. And so he's, he's at a spot where there's a good chance he could come in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if he's a good bull, you know, those, those smaller bulls that have a bunch of cows early in the season, I would cow call and I'd, and if you're trying to kill like a five point this early, that's a tough deal. Because they've got so many cows and all they want to do is not lose them. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that big boy walks in and I've always like September 8th is usually when that starts happening for me, at least I start seeing those bigger bulls. They start stepping in and I've, I've had really good luck bugling at them early like that. But as soon as it starts getting later, it's so situational for me. You know, you get on those big bulls and they're running and sometimes I, I run after them all day screaming at them and, I'll turn him around and there's other days. He'll just run right off. And there's other days I'll, I'm like, I'm not going to bugle one time at him. I'm going to show him. And I get in there and he just runs around in circles all day and still keeps moving off. You know what I mean? And it's really, really hard to, you just got to gauge the bull's temperature by what he's answering. You know? Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really hard thing to teach on. Even when you're, yeah. I mean, obviously without being out there with the people and be like, okay, this is where this guy's at now. Yeah. Let's exactly. see. Let's see if we can get him to here. And then, yep. you know, I'm a huge fan of, I'm a, I am a really big fan of chuckling and raking and cow calls. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really true. And then saving something, you know what I mean? Right. Just having something in my grab bag for when I really need it. And walking down through there, I mean, they'll answer. I mean, you start raking, they'll, they'll blow up sometimes. You start, I mean, that's a huge deal. But then you cow call your way in there and you chuckle at him a little bit. And and then he's still not coming in. Pull, bring something out, you know, bring out a rip at, rip at him. And when you're within a few hundred yards and see what he's ready to do. Yeah, I feel like I failed a lot because I broke out the big guns too early. Yeah, you've given them too much rope yeah. in the beginning. I understand that. I and I get, I get, I do it too. Sometimes I get excited. I love screaming back and forth at them. <laughs> yeah, it's fun when they're answering. Absolutely, back and forth. absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, I've never <laughs> learned. I guess to to that's uh, not necessarily be patient, but I guess patience is a good way to put it. But I've never learn to like space out or ramp up in in, yeah. a, in a way that was effective. Like, I don't know. I can feel, I feel like there's way too many times I go from, you know, five miles an hour to 50 miles an hour, like way too quick. Like, <laughs> but and, I understand. And I'm glad that I notice it, but yeah. I still haven't been able to change that yet. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I 100% understand. And that's the hard part about it is you want to, I mean, he's, he rips right back at you and you want to answer him. Sometimes the best thing you could do is not. Right. And let him think about that for a second, you know, and there's, it's so situational though. I mean, there's so many times too. I, I grab my guys and I say, we're running, come on, we got to get there now. And we run as fast as we can. And I, 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 a few years ago, I got in this group of elk and I worked on him for an hour and a half and he just kept coming up to 60 yards and he'd scream and mm. rip the ground up and he'd run right back to his cows. And I said, I know what we need to do. I said, I don't, I don't care. We're going to do it. And we ran right in the middle of them and there's elk on all sides of us. And I just ripped off a bugle and he just, I'm not kidding you. I thought he was going to run us over <laughs> dead sprint running as hard as he could. And like, I get your bow ready and, the guy, the guy I had with me is from the Midwest, and so he's that was like his third elk he's ever seen. It came, it came in to you know thirty yards, and it gets exciting but when you when your heart's pumping that hard and everything. I mean that's a hard, that's a hard deal, you know. Keep your composure when you run, just get done running, and then a elk comes dead sprint running at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, though it's funny that you bring that up. I I actually had. Now, from guiding perspective, I've had better luck. I'll say better luck. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Better luck with guys that are from the Midwest when it comes to the moment of truth than yeah. I did with guys from or who have been hunting in the West or are from the West. So because they truly understood the guys from the West who knew what was going on. They're like, this is a big bull. And they, they lose it. Or why do you think that is? I, I think it's because in the Midwest and, and back East and whatever, you get to do a lot of whitetail hunting and you do a lot of hiding, a lot of hunting periods. Like, you know, for a guy to shoot a deer, one deer a year in the West or one elk a year in the West, that's like a big deal. Right. Yeah. And you get some of these guys that shoot two or three deer every year. And yeah, you just yeah, have or, that. Or, or some places are killing ten or twenty. Yeah, exactly, them. exactly. So they have yeah. this like they have the drawback, and you know, settling the nerves thing down way better. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can understand that. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's what it is. Just because I know for me, like hunting the rut in the Midwest and stuff like that. When when I started doing that a lot, I was already living in Arizona. I've been living in Arizona since ninety one. So. Yeah, that style of hunting. I didn't really do that when I lived in the back east. I barely, I didn't even know what a tree stand was really. And then, yeah, I started hunting the rut, and it was like a drive-by shooting. Like these bucks would be chasing these does, and you're like, you have yeah, like two right. seconds to make a decision. Oh, I'm going to shoot this, and then another like three seconds to like find an anchor point and rip one off. Right. So, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. I can can absolutely understand that too, man. I just moved back here a little while ago and I hunted my first whitetail (laughs) rut my whole life. I've seen those, seen those things running all over the place. So I'm like, holy cow, man. (laughs) Yeah. Kentucky's got some awesome deer. I've hunted there quite a bit. I see them everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually got some good elk cutting. Uh, I, I know. I know. I got some friends who've done, I've actually found a shed there years ago. Really? Yeah. Like five years ago. I was there um, doing something. I don't remember what I was there for, but I found the big elk shed. And I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of a very few. Yeah. But that's awesome. 
I would I'd love to go. I, I put in there all every year in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'll ever draw it, but they, dad, uh, dad, dad, dad got a tag a few years ago and hunted it. And he said it was pretty good. There's, there's a, a lot of bulls and it's, I told dad though, I said, you've never felt anything like that. It's going to be humid. going to be hot. It's September, mm-hmm. you know, use hundred degrees every day. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a little different situation for him. Brutal. He ended up killing the bull though. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. So, but, um, no, man, as far as going back to the pollen aspect of it, man, it's really, that's what everyone asks. I said, the most important thing you could possibly learn with elk hunting, and this is the only way you're going to learn it. Well, you can ask questions and you'll get a bunch of different opinions, but it's timing. Yeah. 1000% man. I know who you got that from. (laughs) Exactly. That's your dad's mantra. Yeah. Yeah. He he doesn't. He's one of the best elk callers I've ever met in my life. As far as as far as situational, say when to say it. Yeah. Situational. He doesn't have a lot of cow sounds that he does. And I mean, you know, it took years for me him to even let me call. I mean, really. I mean, it, up until a few years ago, it was. He, I mean, his dad, dad, and I really truly didn't. Growing up, I hunted with my mom more than my dad her and I would hunt together all season because he had all those big tags and we just had, you know, the over counter tags. But when I would hunt with dad, you know, he would call and now, now we're at a spot now where I, I'd say it's 50, 50. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> he recognized you won championship of the world. <laughs> I yeah. was letting you call. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're good enough though to call now. <laughs> don't let it, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, you know, what, what is your, what is your approach? Take me through, take me through a day of elk hunting with you. Like what, like you, you, uh, yep. you arrive, what time do you start? What, what's your starting position? Like, what do you like to do? I mean, try to paint the picture. So usually I, when I start elk hunting, man, I, uh, a big deal for me, I don't do a lot of scouting as far as beforehand. I get, I get to elk season and it's usually, start elk hunting early September. And by that point I'm, I'm searching for bugles. You know what I mean? I I'll get into places where there's early, we'll skip past the, you know, the, the trying to just sit down and wait and listen and stuff. But this is when, uh, when they're starting to bugle, like usually I start in the dark early Mm -hmm. about 3am and start going to wherever I'm going, whether that's driving, whether that's walking. I mean, I, I hunt a lot of elk from, I mean, honestly, I hunted a lot of elk from the road on public land. I had a lot of elk walking in, bikes, just anywhere I can get on them, you know. And I try not to discount that early stuff that's right there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of times you walk in seven miles, and when you get right back out, right at the trailhead, they're freaking screaming their heads off, you know. Mm-hmm. And so don't discount it. Take your time walking through there and um, call your way through it and – but usually I start calling, trying to get one lit up. <clears throat> and if I get one lit up, I work on him. As soon as it stops, it doesn't work out for me. I'm usually on to the next one. You know, and that, what that, what that means is if they win me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, or something, something bad happens. If not, I'll stick with them all day. Right. But I, I search and I search and I search trying to put all the miles on. I, 
as soon as it gets a little bit later in the morning, I like to get into good spots where I can just sit down and I can listen and I can call and I can listen, taking my time through it all. You know, usually I'm start, start high on the mountains, you know, first thing in the morning, calling down into these cooler spots where they go at night, you know, especially that early stuff, you know, they're trying to find somewhere cool right next to creeks and stuff. And I try and try and get one lit up most of the time. Just in general, what I'm doing all day is I'm just, I literally am searching. That's all I'm doing is Mm -hmm. just spending the whole day searching. And I think every elk hunter can understand that. Right. You know, I'm looking as hard as I can to get on, get on one that's ready to play the game. And, you know, I'll go all day. I don't generally stop for lunch unless it's super hot. We just hunt all the way through that. And the biggest key that I do that, that, I think that a lot of people could do if they want to be successful in finding elk. I'll, I, I'll keep looking well after dark. I'll spend all night. If I'm, if I'm struggling, I'll spend all night, night bugling. It's yeah. whether that, that's, and usually I do that from the truck. I drive all over the unit looking everywhere. And I, that, I've had incredible success doing that. Just driving all over the place, calling into all these canyons at midnight, 1am, you know, we don't get much sleep then, but yeah, that's that's when they're that's when a lot of these bulls are screaming, you know, mm-hmm. especially the high the high pressured bulls. Yeah, and that's that that'll set me up for the next morning, and I make sure that I'm on that bull the next morning, early, and so right. That's a that's a big. Uh, I think I might have danced around your question a little bit. No, there, that's but. fine though. But I mean, you gave some good information, so that's the point yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every every day is so different for me, but it what it what it consists of. Right, it's hard to put it in. It's not. It's it's hunting all day and not not giving up. Yeah, it's amazing how lucky you get when when you're out there all the time. Yeah, I think luck luck is a product of effort. It's a hundred percent a product of effort. You just got to be able to recognize that. You know, you worked all day and you're like finally get one to bugle. Like, yeah, you know, maybe lucky, but you also check thirty other spots. Right. You're, you're narrowing, you're whittling it down. Exactly. And, you know, I, one thing I can touch on, you know, I, there's a lot of deep hiking that we did that a lot of, a lot of elk hunters do. And I do it too. This last year is a great example of it though. We're like all the, these bulls are going to be in the wilderness area. They're going to be deep. I'm like, okay. And I got these bikes I'm riding in seven miles, getting in there. Well, you, if you do that, you're, you're kind of stuck to that spot all day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm done doing that. I'm going to go night bugling. I'm going to stay night. I started doing that. We were very successful just trying to run around and get on a, find a bunch of different elk. So I have a, B, C, D, and F lined up for the day that I know I can work on these elk just having, having time and willing to be willing to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I wanted to ask you this, cause this is a question that I've gotten several times and I don't know that I I don't know that I have a preference yet but yeah I'm I'm gonna lean to me being on the downhill side but I have have you noticed that you have better success if you're calling uphill to a bull versus downhill or at the same level I want to be in my opinion and I've had, I've, I've got them to do stuff, you know, but I want to be above an elk always or the same height as him. Mm-hmm. 
that's how I am. I mean, that's my rule of thumb with calling. It's it's funny. There's a lot of crossover. It's how I am with turkeys and with elk. Okay. 100%. What they do crazy stuff if they're above you. They can, they run around you. They run back and forth. They don't, I don't know. It just, and honestly, in my opinion too, it just, when you're calling down on them, it just, I, I, I've had them roll their sleeves up a lot more. And it might just be also because the wind's right. And it's the right time of day. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Usually early morning, you're chasing them with the wind in your face, you know, early, early morning, you're running after them, trying to keep up with them where they're heading to, you know, and, but as soon as they get to where you, the wind starts switching and you can get above them and slip down in them, it's usually by the time they're starting to bed or they're already bedded. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I truly think that they've got, they feel like they've got a better vantage they can sand and they can look longer when they're above you and they're below you. If they're coming uphill, they're, they're just coming. Gotcha. And, yeah. and that's my, so, my opinion. No, I believe me. So that, and the reason why I asked that is because like I was saying earlier, I kind of have the opposite. Like I feel like when they're above me because they have, they feel like they have the upper hand, they're more likely to, but yeah, but you know what? I've had it go. That's why I was on the fence. Cause I've had it go. The Otherwise. wrong way for me, <laughs> you know. Yep. Wrong yep. way for me a couple of times, more than a couple of times. But if if, uh, if you ask Dad, and yeah, Dad'll tell you he shot more elk on a marginal wind. I mean mm-hmm. that that's a big part of it. If the wind's marginal, I feel like they've got more confidence coming. Oh yeah, the marginal wind. If you're giving up the wind bit. a little bit, yeah. Like I always, I've always exactly like if you're, I I call it cheating the wind. So. Yep. And even with deer, I had the yep. same, same thing. Like if I come where the wind, there's no chance in hell that the wind is going to bust me. Yep. That's nine times out of 10 where I'm going to get busted by their eyes or their ears or something along those lines. And, and, and or they just won't move. Yeah. They're just, they're just, they just will get holed up. That's I, you're, I'm, that's exactly how I feel about it. They just, they just know, I don't know how to explain it, but then. I've had them when just, when I'm like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Like, oh, it's so close. Yeah. You know, they they roll their sleeves up and come walking right in. Yeah, and I I think it has to, it has to do with the fact that you know if an animal's bedded, yeah, it's gonna put its eyes facing one direction to cover to cover itself. It's got the wind covering itself on you know however many degrees of that scent cone and then it's using its ears for everything else so like you only have so many degrees of perception to sneak in on that yeah so i I guess it it has to be the same thing for for calling or whatever the case may be you're 100 percent right i mean it's it's uh it's definitely uh there's something to that and i mean i don't i'm not saying go out there and get the wind wrong <laughs> no but definitely if, not. if you're like he's coming and the wind's not quite right you're like might be part of the reason he's coming yeah yeah because he thinks he's got the advantage like i don't i don't have to get that close to wind where that sound what that sounds coming to yep but he doesn't know that you can shoot 50 yards you know <laughs> exactly Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that's 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 I think it on you know hitting the nail on the head right there. Um, cool. 
Well, I, I wanted to ask you if you had a story that you could share with us that maybe impacted or taught you something about elk hunting that kind of changed the way you elk hunt. Maybe you learned something about them and you're like, oh, well, I'm sure every time you go out, you learn something about them, but something pretty significant that you could recall being like, oh yeah, I, I remember this. And now since that hunt, I do things this way almost all the time now or something along those lines. Um, as far as I kind of revert back to like the learning how to hunt pressured elk. I grew up hunting public and private, but I had a really good place to hunt on private land growing up. And as you get older, that's, I had, I'm hunting all these other States, you know, I got to learn how to hunt public more. And man, I learned, I, I watched these elk. I knew they were in this spot. I, you know, watched them. I kept giving up on them and I would go and I'd try and call out them. They wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't do anything. And they're coming off private, going into public and this kind of, this kind of thick lodgepole pine stuff. And one night I said, you know what? And this is where kind of my patience has come from. Um, I'm going to, I'll share one other story after this. It's, it pertains to this as well, but I would, I just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to sit down right here and I'm going to call till dark. And I sat and I called and I called and I called and I called and it started getting darker and darker. You know, that time when the temperature changes, mm -hmm. like there's two temperature changes, but the one it really gets cold. The second that that, that temperature changed, everyone started lighting up yeah. and this, and, and here comes and the same elk I've been calling it this whole time, starts screaming. He comes running in <laughs> and uh, my client ended up missing him, but it's, one of those things like just having that patience to get in there and just wait them out and get the, I mean, it's just makes a big difference. And it's, the time of day makes a difference on what they're doing, especially if they're getting hunted hard or they're wolves or whatever is going on. You know, there's, there's a lot that could be factoring into this. It, you know, you check this one spot one time doesn't mean that there's not elk in it. Right. You know? And so public land elk right before dark, early in the morning, awesome <laughs> the pressure elk that's what one thing i was getting at there and then another one was there's this elk there's a spot that i was hunting it was a really a really good unit and there were like 10 bulls in this reprod and they were right off the road but people kept driving by and they would call at them so i would get out and i'd get in the middle of these elk and i'd hunt them all night and they were really tough but as soon as someone would pull up i mean they would be it's, it was one of those you know, there's a meatball. There are bulls bugling everywhere. As soon as you'd hear, then you hear, every bull would shut up, not say a word. <laughs> the guy would get out, he's hit his son, his, his uh, power bugle, bugle a few times, and then jump in his car, slam the door, drive off. We'd wait about 10 minutes, and one would go, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, there's, I mean, there's a lot to that, man. Just, like I said, sitting down, waiting and listening, not just, and this is for driving, for riding bikes, for everything, not just calling and then just walking off. Yeah. You know, they've, they've heard that. I mean, I guarantee you, it, most elk that on public land, I don't care how far you've walked, have heard you scream, somebody screamed at them at one point or another, you know, as, as you get later in the season. So just having the patience, man, to just wait and listen and some a lot of times it won't be a very loud bugle that you hear it'll just be it could be just a ooh. but then you got him 
then you have something to work with. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, that's, I've got a lot of stuff that has changed my idealism on elk hunting uh, <laughs> through the years, but it's, well, I'll tell you what, have all day for, we'll, for we'll, get, we'll get you back on, uh, just as a storytelling session. Um, absolutely, man. Tell a bunch of stories. Yeah. So, well, awesome, man. I want to thank you for coming on and, uh, again, congratulations on the win. Thanks, man. Um, is there, uh, anything you want to share with the listeners, uh, find out where you're at and what you're doing or. Um, yeah, man, I'm, um, I'm on social media on, um, Instagram, it's bowhunter66. And then, um, we do, uh, I do a, like right now I'm just doing a short run of elk calls. I'm not doing a ton of them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do, I'm going to hand build a few hundred and I'm going to sell them. So I think I'll do two runs of one. Them. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. And, uh, it, I, I'm going to do two runs of them. I sell three SKUs. They're just exactly what I run a cow call, a, a all around call, and then a more of a bugle call. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, if you looked at my pocket in elk season, I've got like 20 calls in my pocket. I mean, I've <laughs> all, I've got a lot of calls. It doesn't mean I use them all, but you know, I got one this year. It's a great example. I got one stuck in my zipper oh, and, Jesus. And, it, and it shredded it. I'm like, Oh man. That so, sucks. but as far as if, uh, if you guys ever have any questions about elk calling or anything, I'm always happy to help. I always, a big part of what I do is just trying to help people on calling and, and that could be any type of calling. So I'm always happy to help. Well, awesome, man. We appreciate that. Yep. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just excited, man. We're almost there. Yeah. It's coming up hot. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's coming up. I'm in Kentucky right now. It's like a hundred and, five degrees i'm ready to go and feel some 30 degrees yeah same here arizona it's freaking it's we we got rain the last couple days so it's humid as all hell really arizona got so yeah somebody just rang my doorbell (laughs) well thank you so much i really appreciate it likewise thank you have a good one okay have a great day bye hey guys thanks for checking out the show really appreciate you Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next show.